I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. You like to move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. You like to move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. You like to move Good day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to I Like to Movie Movie. My name is Dan Scully. I'm Steven Richards. And today we have a monumental occasion. We are halfway through the it's year. It's not that so... big. It's not that big. No, this is big. And I'm going to tell you why. Because we're halfway through the year. So we're going to count down our top 10 movies of the year thus far. Wait, 10? And... Yes, 10. I only have five. It was supposed to be 10. I didn't see 10 movies. <laughs> well, that's okay. Um, because... Uh, um, before uh, so this is steven's first uh big list episode yeah uh, so that's why this is a big event and uh back in the day long before garrett got hit by that train and killed um his first countdown episode uh he only had seen 11 movies that year so it just came down to him picking which one he didn't like as much as the rest so <laughs> you're in good company we're getting warmed up um and uh yeah so we're gonna count down our favorites of the i year. guess i'll put um this one back on the list which i was happy to omit but i'll put this one now i have um one two three four five six eight. Oh, beautiful beautiful yeah. no that's totally fine because uh we are not about judgments here we're about having fun and talking up some of our favorite movies of the year uh before we get started uh please follow the show at movie movie cast on all of the social meds um you can uh please like and subscribe and you can check out the other show on the hot property podcast network uh hot property which is at hot property pod on all of the things so please uh reach out to us contact us let us know what movies you want us to cover um, so no homework this week. We're going to give you movies to watch. And um, then in two weeks, we'll be back with a very special episode. We're ripping off the Taste Buddies from the Taste Buds podcast. And we are going to be battling on the merits of Han Solo versus Indiana Jones. So pay attention to the Movie Movie Cast Twitter. There is going to be a survey on it so that the listeners can judge, uh, can vote for their favorite. And uh, we'll see who uh, picks the better the better character on that one. Uh, and this is in honor, of course, of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, which is coming out on uh, June 30th. So we're getting ready for that. Steven is crazy yeah. excited. He just looked longingly out. No, I was thinking distance. about <laughs> I was thinking about like when I used to work in the movie theater, I would like we'd get a new poster. This is before YouTube, before basically the internet was like this main source of news. Yeah. Um, you'd get a poster in the mail without announcement from the studios, and it'd be like it'd be like, oh shit. Like, for example, Indiana Jones and Crystal Skull. Like, oh, this is the first time I'm seeing the poster. Like, there was no Reddit. Yeah. You know? And then so I'm like, fuck. And like, I was like, I got to hang this up right now. The world has got to know about this. And so I think about, like, posters that you you wouldn't necessarily imagine them existing at all until it actually happens. And Indiana Jones is one of those films for me where it's like, I can't believe they actually are doing it. Now that I see the poster, it's real. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's funny because, like, at four... And I don't know I if that's like, a good thing or a bad thing yet, also. 
Well, I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I know that the reviews out of Cannes have been uh, middling, but like it's as Khan. someone who Khan it's Scott um, Khan, it's Scott Khan's film fest. The that wrath, was the original the wrath of Khan. Yeah, yeah, the wrath of Khan. The my, wrath of only Scott my Khan. movies now says Scott. Well, I feel like um, yeah, I feel like the uh, I've come around on Indiana Jones four like really hard. I think it's actually pretty great. So even though I know five is middling, I think I'm in the right place to be able to enjoy it. Plus, I think it might be a time travel movie, and I'm a sucker for that. But Wait, you think the next one is going to be a time travel movie? I think Dial of De- I think the Dial of Destiny is a dial that allows you to travel through time. And so, what we assume is a flashback in the trailer might actually just be happening. Maybe I I don't know, but I plan to watch all four of the preceding ones to get them all back into my brain again. And uh, yeah. it's gonna be it's gonna be worth it. I know I said I would watch one last weekend, but I definitely will watch at least one this weekend. Nice. I'm definitely going to uh, definitely going to uh, to uh, revisit all of them if I can. It's gonna be a tight week, but because uh, I have a press screening of it coming up next week, so I'm very excited. Nice. But I enough about of, that. I have a lot of Diablo Four to play. Ah yes, I uh I've been working on uh uh Breath of uh Tears of the Zelda. I've been working on Zelda. Tears of the Zelda. This is Tears not a of the Zelda podcast though. We have listen to our other gamer podcast yeah. coming out later this year. Because we're gonna talk some Katamari. But yeah. first, let's get into our top ten of the year. So when I was putting my list together, um I kind of just left comic book movies off of it as a rule. I tend to do that um because you know it just is what it is. And I decided to go with the movies that uh, fit two criteria. They I enjoyed them in the moment, and they stuck with me in the time since seeing them. Um, as for the rules as to oh, you know festival movies that aren't out yet, I don't get bogged down in that. If it comes out this year and I've seen it, it's eligible for the list. So uh, if you think that that's weird that it may have come out last year or it's not coming out till later this year, you can go fuck yourself. That's how I do it. So That's do you have any? Uh, yeah, do you have any uh, of rules and regs for your list? Well, the only, um, you know, source of inspiration that I could uh, surmise is that I've seen the movie. Yes, um, I do have one from last year on here. Okay, and I just remembered that I, I just remembered another one, so I do have nine total. Okay, right on. Yeah. So um, shall, shall we get so, started? Yeah, the only criteria for me is that I saw it this year. <laughs> Fair enough. We're going to have you in ship shape by the end of the year for the, yeah. the countdown list, um, which is all by the end of the year. For. I'll have at least 12 total. Beautiful. And then you can cut down you can yeah. cut down the chaff and you have the wheat of 10. And maybe I'll finish that book. I was just finished last year. Dude, I actually uh, I picked up a copy of that book and I might beat you to it. <laughs> So, um, Dude, if you lap me on that book, I'll be so upset. I, you don't have to be upset. It's not a race. We're, it's fiction. You're here to enjoy it. It doesn't matter if you get to the end uh, sooner or later. So, um, I guess since I have 10, I will rattle off my number 10 and my number nine. Yeah. So, my number 10 is a movie that I caught at Springfest, but it did get a wide release. And uh, that one is a movie called Polite Society, uh, written and directed by Nita Manzor. It is this really funny movie about a young Pakistani woman, I believe, a high school student whose cool older sister, who she's like best buds with, uh, ends up meeting a guy and really quickly falling in love and and going to a marriage. 
and this little sister is not interested in pursuing this marriage. She's much more interested in getting her friends together to enact a heist in which they're going to kidnap her sister from the actual wedding ceremony. Um, the the girl in question, uh, the lead, is uh, played by Priya Kansara, and uh, she plays this young girl who is, is, wants to be a stunt woman. And the world that this movie takes oh, place yeah. in is one that sort of follows wuxia physics. So, like, there are high martial arts fight scenes in it. Um, it has, like, a high sci-fi angle, except otherwise it's all in the real world. And so it ends up being, like, a really funny, sweet movie that is quite moving, but is consistently funny, consistently action-packed. And it doesn't really compare to anything else. Like... I could probably list a hundred movies that it seems to be inspired by, but I don't think that as a whole, there are any movies quite like it. Um, I went in with very middling expectations. It did not look like the kind of movie that I would be interested in. Um, I did not expect it to be a funny action packed movie. I actually thought it was going to be like a foreign drama and it's very much not, it's very peppy, but it is a window into a culture you don't often see on screen. And it's just done in a way that's so much fun. And the two leads, Priya Kinsara and Ridu Arya, I'm totally fucking these up, are just fantastic. And um, there's also a uh, character played by, oh my god, I can't find her name. Um, but she's sort of the villain of the movie. And um, I'm not going to get her name off of IMDb. Kim uh, Kardashian. Kim Kardashian, why not? And it's just like... It's crazy funny, it's crazy entertaining, and it's very warm and sweet. I loved it. So my number 10 is Polite Society. Yeah, I remember seeing the trailer for that, and I really want to... It's on my list. I just wrote I... it down. Okay, I wrote down this list, too. Not my list, but the, yes. but the note that's open, um, so I can remind myself to watch it also. You know, if you're on Letterboxd, you could just make a watch list, and you just click things in. That's too complicated for me, man. Fair enough. We're old school I got, here. I mean, this whole other monitor is just for tabs that I don't use. And in front of you, you just have, like, parchment paper and a quill yes. where you're writing your watch list. By candlelight. Um, <laughs> my number nine, I guess, is yeah, go to the Oh, right on. You didn't even <laughs> like this movie. I know. So here's the thing, too, for the listeners. You're going to have to level set when we go back and forth, because while Dan has a plethora of film to choose from, mine is actually a, more of a ranking system of the movies I've seen this year. So Nothing wrong with that. Is at the bottom of the list, because I did not I did not like the movie. And I was thinking about it on the way home today, too, because I started listening to, not to, not to promote another podcast, but um, The Worst Idea in the World, which is those two Australian dudes who started watching. Um, I believe the first one they did was Grown Ups 2. They watched it every day for a year. Ugh. And then they would podcast about it. Um, right now they're doing the Fast franchise. They haven't seen anything. They're starting with nine, and they're going to watch nine nine times, then oh eight, eight times, then seven seven times, and so on. And so hearing them kind of talk about a movie they've now seen three times as far as I am into the process here. They so far seen it three times and uh, it puts the, um, the, all the stuff that I've said about how terrible the fast franchise is becoming into perspective from people who have never seen this movie before, because even 
it makes more sense having less information if that makes sense about the fast franchise well i'll tell you this and and the listeners can look forward to this in the future um i haven't uh, i'll talk to you to get dates set up but i actually found somebody who i know through the local uh screening uh, uh events who hasn't seen any fast movies and is willing for our podcast to be the first guest to watch Fast and Furious, the first movie, and then Fast X, and that's it. Oh, shit. And yeah. then fill out what's in the middle. Hell so yes. I do have that coming down the pipeline. So yes. uh, we will have a similar experiment, except we're going to be subjecting someone who's not us to it. <laughs> um, but anyway, I was thinking about the way home today, and I was, like, certain scenes came into my mind. Like any, anything involving Brie Larson made no fucking sense. Yeah. Um, and it's like watching the real life events affect the outcome of this movie that is still this movie franchise that is still yet to be written, um, is, uh, just falling apart in front of it is it's insane to watch. My man rips the door off of a car and shields himself from helicopter bullets. Now, I don't know what kind of bullets come out of a helicopter, but they're not regular bullets. They're big boy bullets. Yeah. And he's just blocking them with a car door. And yes, in the fast world, cars are destructible and indestructible. Like if you're having a heart attack, they can throw you in a car and your heart will get better. It's just one of those things. Yeah. But even so, that was like, I don't want to say it was pushing it for me. I loved every second of it. But uh, we've about really when just he gone drives wrong. off the dam. Oh, yeah. And he's able to grimace gravity into sucking yeah. him down to the ground. It's unbelievable. But um, I want to mock but Bruce Willis grimaced a missile out of the sky in Live Free or Die Hard, a movie that I love. That's different. It, it, and you know what? I I can't explain it, but you're right. <laughs> I can't explain it either, but I am right. Um, you are right. It makes perfect sense. Fucking, oh shit, what I was going to say. I had a really good point. Damn it. Oh, uh, the, the dam. No, besides that, it was before that. I don't know. It's gone now. Because you, well, you know, I mean, now I'm thinking about Die Hard with, with uh, die, Live Free or Die Hard, and that's also that great movie. Live Free or Die Harder with a Vengeance. Yeah, I tried to get them all in there. I didn't include five. <laughs> two, die harder. <laughs> die harder. Die hard, two, die harder. All right. Um, my number nine is "You Hurt My Feelings," which oh, is... I want to see this. I love. I love JGL. It's yeah, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Me too, but he's not in it. <laughs> JLD. Um, yeah, JLD. JLD. It's uh, not it's, not uh... the Justice League Dark. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. Nicely done. Um, so you hurt my feelings. Uh, does star Julia Louis Dreyfus. As a uh, author whose second book that she's unsure about is about to be published. And she's uh, trying to settle on the final draft. And um, her husband is, is and the thing is, this is a rich people in the Upper West Side of, Upper East Side of New York. Yeah, it's uh, like succession. Yeah, like they're rich people. They're all very well off. So they're all very privileged. They're all like, they, the people in this movie, every character, uh, they all fly first class and they do it multiple times a year. You know, they're definitely up there. You know, she's an author. I can't wait to a psychiatrist. I don't know if I'll ever do it. In my life. No, I'm I, definitely going to do it at some point, but. One day. Yeah. Like, one day I'm just going to get, like, 10 grand together and just first class it to Australia. Atlantic City, baby. Yeah, or Atlantic City, because it's a quick <laughs> flight. Yeah. Very little gasoline <laughs> is used. And um, so these people all fly first class, but they never fly in the movie. Her book is about to come out, and uh, one day her, her friend her or sorry her her sister her brother-in-law and her husband they all kind of go out shopping together and the the men and the women separate and when they're about to get back together 
uh, uh, JLD overhears her husband lamenting that he actually doesn't like her book. He doesn't think it's any good. When people, I think, I think that's an overuse of the word lamenting. <laughs> no, no. Well, the whole movie is based on the idea that that like he's kind of like ah man, like I don't want to tell her, but and then she knows, and so and then they just bicker about it. But it's very, it's very lighthearted. Um, it's just a lighthearted. It's extremely funny. It goes to dark places with the humor, but it's all character based. And yeah. it doesn't, it's it's not like dark places, like nobody's getting fucking killed and stuff, but it gets to like some real emotional stuff. Um, I said in my review of it, it's uh it's like it feels a lot like a Woody Allen movie, only I don't have to then explain myself for why I'm why I was watching a Woody Allen movie to to you. And so yeah. it's uh but it has that feel like it's just, you know, old chatty New York, flat direction, just kinda people hanging out talking but it's so fucking funny and i think that it gets to some really uh, good places in its themes and the woman who wrote and directed uh you know she's written other things but most notably uh she's who co-wrote the last duel um so oh, she yeah. and like apparently from what i understand like really shaped a lot of what that movie is so uh yeah you hurt my feelings it's just it's just fantastic David Cross shows up uh, with his real life wife, Amber Tamblin, and the two of them are so fucking funny as like uh, patients of the the husband's uh, psychology. And it's just like, I don't know, it's just good. I, I thought it was really just, it. it's like a fun adult comedy made for adults, you know, yeah. like it's good. But like, I, I wouldn't feel weird taking my mom to see it because she'd find it funny. But it's also like I'm not like bringing her to eighty for Brady, where I'm just rolling my eyes the whole time. Like that's it's a my fucking number one good movie. Well, we'll get into it. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but yeah. So Spoiler you hurt my feelings. Highly recommend. And Stephen, I think you would like it. Um, I, it's on my list. Yeah, but the, uh, something about the trailer that I saw, uh, JLD in her. Um, yeah, I love her to death. Don't get me wrong, but for some reason, um, the way that she presented herself as her character in this movie reminded me a lot of my ex. Uh, so that's why I haven't um, seen it yet. Well, I think you should watch it. I, yeah, I, I imagine watch that it. doesn't hold true because yeah. it, she she doesn't, nobody plays a bad person, but they all play very human people. There's no bad people in this movie. It's just, it is what it is. And I really like it. Uh, I have to make a joke about something. The timing is going to be way off on this joke. Just a heads up to everybody. Let's go. Earlier you mentioned David Cross's wife whose name is amber tamblin is that who they're talking about on that song black betty what do you mean oh black betty amber tamblin <laughs> <laughs> why did i not see that coming i was like what are you talking about that's amber so funny Tam- um <laughs> oh black betty amber tamblin not- <laughs> i love that <laughs> That's why I, ha- I had to say it, but like, the, oh, again, yeah. the timing was way off. Um, Dude, when the material's good, timing don't mean shit. My number, what is this, eight, I guess? So, uh, yeah, number eight. Yeah, okay. Um, this is the movie that I saw that came out last year, so I'm, that's why it's so far down the list, but it's probably the best movie of the bunch. It is everything, everywhere, all at once. Okay. And um, that, that came out literally more than a year ago. It did. But I'm going to let you have it because it's your first big list. Yeah, and it's a great movie. I just well, I really wanted to use this platform as a as an opportunity to apologize to everyone who told me to watch that movie when it came out two years ago, <laughs> and I didn't. 
And I finally watched Apology it. Apology accepted. I wanted to come out and say you all were right. It was phenomenal, and I enjoyed it. I'm so glad you loved it. Yeah, I, I think I really those, did. the Daniels worthy, are like worthy of really all the, the accolades it got. Yeah, 100. percent I really, really um, think that they are like some seriously innovative filmmakers. You know, when you, you think, think about when yeah, you I think about like modern, scenes. like the modern people who shaped cinema, yeah. like your Edgar Wrights, your Tarantinos, and all that. Like, I really think that Daniels will will be on that list. Like I think about the uh, ads that came out a while ago for Apple that were like, check out how fucking sick our camera is. You can make a movie on your iPhone. And yeah. I'm like, and like, everyone's like, okay, yeah. Marketing ploy. It's, it's a nice thought to make a movie on your iPhone, but you know, you can't really do that. And these motherfuckers pretty much did that. Yeah. And then one best picture for it. And like, they- that's inspiring just that story alone. And it's like, and I think it is as good as that story merits. Like oh, it's yeah, like a definitely. Rocky situation where it's like, you know, a real not nobody because they made some great movies, but like, you know, just like a real DIY mentality got it done and it won the highest accolade in the land. I for the first time in and it's it's memory, deserved. Yeah, for the first time in recent memory, at least. Like, cause back in the day, back during the video store era, like I'm getting the the deluxe version. I'm watching all the commentary. I'm watching the extras and shit like that. This is the only movie I can think of since then where I wanted to know more about what happened behind the scenes. Yeah. And so, like, you know, put out a DVD commentary because I watched shit of it. I uh, let's see. Do, 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 do. Ah! It might have a commentary. Let's see. Look at that. Everything ever all at once comes with an audio commentary by the directors. Is that on Blu-ray? This is on Blu-ray. I picked up the 4K disc because I think that it looks awesome. And uh, I think me, they did all me, their effects in like, that, like a dog. team of eight. Oh yeah, I'll bring it over next time. And I think it has a Blu-ray disc in here too. I only watched it once, so I don't remember the contents. And I buy a lot of movies. Um, I'm very glad that you saw that. I have a uh, they released a textbook through A24. That is like a, a see and do, like, you know, like a children's like novelty oh, textbook. Cool. They put out one of those all about multiverses and I that's bought awesome. it. It's great. It's you, see, I'll like, let, you, as I'll a let designer, you play with it. As a designer, like those are the products I've always wanted to work on, like those fucking cool, uh, like, uh, like accoutrement pieces that you would come with, like, prom- oh, like yeah. promo pieces for a movie. Because we, like I said, when I worked in a movie theater, like we'd get that shit all the time. And it was like a lot of fun to look at and a lot of fun to, you know, the tactile stuff like that, you know, book would be really awesome to fucking create. There's a mini booklet within that's like, you know, 20 pages across and it's all single lines and you're supposed to tear it down each line and then you can build infinite poems page by page by picking one random line out of that. It's that's it's awesome. the craziest thing. Yeah, it's so cool. Um, we're going to get we're going to run out of time on nines. So, OK, uh, eight for me, is uh, Ari Aster's anxiety-ridden epic, Bo is Afraid. I'm never going to watch this movie. The trailer <laughs> made me so uncomfortable. <laughs> I'll put it this way. I don't even know if I like it as much as I like his previous two movies. I think in a lot of ways it might be too much, but if Ari Aster so far has shown me his one of his greatest skills is doing too much and being so goddamn good at it that you just like can't call it pretentious. And this is him doing a, uh, you know, I mean, you know, like a, a inherent vice kind of thing. Um, 
you know, just trying to do a big sprawling movie. And yeah. it's this huge nation spanning movie about this tiny little man who's just wrapped up inside of himself. But the way they depict the world, the world he lives in is crazy. There's just shit going on all the time and not in a fun way. It's like fucked up. It's it's legitimately fucked up. Yeah. And uh, I like a legitimately fucked up movie. And I agree with the criticism that I think this movie makes its point early and then just dicks around in it. I actually think that the the culmination of all the dicking around does reinforce the theme that much further. So the excess works and it's goddamn funny and it's horrifying and the filmmaking is on point. The theater I saw it in uh, when the, the movie ended and it ends in such a weird place. Oh, it's so uncomfortable. <laughs> and two seats over for me, there's this lady sitting there by herself and really quiet, but very firm. She goes, I think I have to call out of work tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you know what? That's that is what this movie should have done, and the whole theater felt that way. Uh, Bo is afraid is fantastic. I don't think I've ever seen an Ari Aster movie. I you don't like horror, but I think you would like Hereditary if you could get into the the no. excess and mid- that's the one. I'd rather watch Midsummer. I'd watch Midsummer with you and do an episode on it because I would be very curious to see your your reaction to it. Right. Because the thing about Midsummer is it's really really funny but it is one of the most fucked up and horrifying things you'll ever see in your life <laughs> he gets you there and that's what Bo um, is afraid is Bo is like there's points where I was like unable to breathe because I was laughing and a theater full of people were like that and then something would happen and everyone would just go <laughs> because it was like alternately amazing and horrifying yeah nice. what a meal so Bo is afraid um this is the only list in history where you will see Ant-Man Quantumania ranked above everything everywhere all at once. <laughs> and that's been Movie Movie. Bye. Um, again, this is just a ranking of um, movies that I have seen. Ant-Man How is was... this better than everything everywhere all at once, you motherfucker? Because, well, I put, I put everything everywhere all at once down at the bottom because it didn't come out this year. That's the only reason. Okay, but I that's knew fair. That, I'll I, accept that. I knew that even though it didn't come out this year, it was still better than Fast X. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it makes sense. I don't agree, but I will... Uh, I don't um, agree with uh, how it's... Re- I agree that it's better than Fast X, for sure. Like, from an organizational standpoint, yes, it would have been easier for me to just put that one at the bottom as, like, a more of an honorable mention. But didn't have Fast X was so bad, I, <laughs> I didn't want... Anyone to think that it outranked everything everywhere all at once. I'll put it this way. I very much enjoyed Fast X, but it's not on my list. No. So Ant-Man Quantumania also shouldn't be on anyone's list because it was fucking it was a nightmare. It was it was everything bad about everything we've been complaining about in the MCU since Endgame all merged into one film together. It was not didn't take itself it, it seriously. It couldn't happen to nicer people. Yeah, um, it didn't take itself seriously at all. Fucking oh shit! Actually, I forgot. I have another movie that I forgot about. On this, we well, only have till seven fifteen, so we'll get anyway, to it. If we get to it. Um, well, actually, I just replace it with this one. Let's talk about Creed three. Creed three was okay, <laughs> dude. I loved Creed three as well. It also did not make my list. Ant-Man I thought sucked, about it. So I'd rather actually talk about how bad Ant Man was. Um, dude, and- Bill Murray bombed. What are we Bill doing? Murray. How do you have Bill Murray as a cameo and fuck it up? 
He, it, 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 it when the best, I've never seen it. When the best, and I'm not like being hyperbolic at all. When the best thing that happens in the movie is that Michael Douglas walks slowly, but because he's old, not because it's badass. He just walks slowly on this green screened area, controlling a bunch of ants. That's the best thing to happen in the movie. You have yeah, I like when he problem. puts his hands in the goopy arm controls. That was so fucking stupid. Everything was fu- so fucking stupid. Yeah. It was worse than Thor Love and Thunder. And it was that worse than Thor Love so Thunder. bad. I thought it was funny, but it wasn't anything to write home about. But you know, we devoted a whole episode to Ant-Man and Creed 3. Yeah. So I'm going to say, and, and how that must change now in hindsight, because we named the episode after its shared star. Yeah, Jonathan Majors, who has now fucked up, or allegedly, allegedly. He has alledgedly had his own Majors World event. Yeah. And I'm bummed, because I really want to see Magazine Dreams. But also, you know, you don't want to hear anyone abused. Yeah. All right, what are we up to? Seven? For whatever reason, it's not true, but it looks looks increasingly unlikely every day. Yeah, it's a shame for everybody involved. Number seven is a movie that comes out, I think, in like two weeks. But I saw it at Overlook Film Festival, Talk to me. Uh, Talk to me is one no, of the I scariest movies I've ever seen in my life. About it, and I was like, "Fuck, you saw that shit already?" Because it does look scary. It's absolutely terrifying, and it's a really cool idea. Um, and I think I talked about it in the Overlook episode. But to run it down real fast, Danny Philippou and Michael Philippou, apparently they're YouTube guys. They make funny videos, and uh, so this has sort of a YouTube energy to it. But it's about social media because it's. All it is is there's a hand, a, a ceramic hand, and if you hold it and say, talk to me, it connects you with the world of the dead. And uh, you can invite a world of the dead person into your body to control you for, I think, like one minute, and then you got to let go of the hand. And that's set up almost immediately. There's no explanation as to why. There's no explanation as to how. It's just that that exists, and a group of kids love to do the possession thing and, and post it to TikTok. See, I like when they do world building like that because to go back to Fast and Furious, the more shit that you add, <laughs> the more you got to explain. The more shit that you add, the more you have to explain it. And if you just fucking say like Back to the Future style, this is just the way it is. Like, yeah. I'm okay with that more. It is what it is. And it's a bunch of teenagers. You know what teenagers do when they find something cool and can get attention for they it? Fuck it. They fucking act like idiots. I did when I was that age. I didn't even have social media then. And I fucked shit up in the exact same way without horrifying metaphysical implications. I've never done that. Played Ouija. I have. It was scary. It's scary. And that's the thing about this movie is it's stylish. The lead, Sophie Wilde, gives this incredible performance. And it's fucking scary. I will admit that I might be a little biased because it was the secret screening at Overlook Film Festival where they don't announce what it is. And it was one where so many people showed up that they expanded the secret screening to five different screens just to accommodate everybody. Shout out Overlook for pulling that off. Hey. And then everybody came out of that movie. And so it was like 500 people converging after this movie. And everyone was just like, that was fucking scary. And so I just, there's a real great vibe associated with it in memory. Like, what do they do differently that? you know is makes it scary that if you can't talk about it well no they just they don't respect the power of what they're fucking with to them it's a fun novelty like haha you feel the movie movie itself what does it do differently that has you so 
amped up about how scary it is that like Ari Aster's not well, doing. The story is scary, you know, in and of itself. But I think that it's a very sharp movie that uh, doesn't telegraph anything that's coming. There's no jump scares, but there are like sudden reveals of startling imagery, you know, like where it might not be like this like is Insidious. A, yeah, like Insidious, kind of like that. But like with that YouTube aesthetic, it has you know fast edits and you know, um, but it's an Australian film. And it has a similar, you know, rhythm to uh, uh, to something like uh, what's that movie called where the guy Crocodile Dundee. You know what? I'm not going to think of it, so we'll just go with that. Crocodile Dundee. No, but the, it's just a uh, it's in the it's in the uh, tradition of some great uh, great Australian uh, outback movies. Aussie, you know, even like a Mad Max is an is an Aussie. Uh, oh yeah, thriller. but um. Yeah, I just I think everyone should see it, and I think you should see it when there's a, a good crowd. Um, but it'll also work really well if you're in the dark by yourself. Because when I got back yeah, to my hotel room after the screening, I scared the shit out of myself just thinking about it a few times. That's even why though I'm a 38 year old man. Because I watched Paranormal Activity in the dark by myself. That's what ruined scary movies for me. Well, all I know is that this was snapped up by A24 when they saw it at Sundance, like real quick and you can see why they snapped it up so i think you're dealing with and i love paranormal activity but i think you're dealing with something that has like a little more uh i don't want to because paranormal activity rocks but like it's a little less novelty i, I feel said like paranormal activity <laughs> well par- i've not seen paranormal so i can't speak um <laughs> on on uh but uh, so yeah i think it's just like you're dealing with something that i think uh, aspires to a little more than a paranormal activity does um with all due respect to i i own every paranormal activity movie i love them um i think we got time for what are we up to number six, six. hit me with you which is six another sequel graces our presence john wick four. Oh, right on it was okay it was good i mean overall i have favorable memories of it um some are funnier than others like when um he falls down the stairs for 25 minutes yeah uh, and then you know, but overall, I would say for a campy, uh, you know, hero always wins kind of movie set. Uh, it was pretty good. I like the ending. I like the way it ended. Um, there was a lot, man. They really fucking the tensile strength of my, uh, you know, disbelief was really tested on this film because when he like jumps out of or gets thrown out of a second story building onto a van and gets up and runs up six flights of stairs and gets pushed down them then runs up again and now uh, everyone's yeah we know from the second movie that everyone's suit is bulletproof but i mean come on you're really laying it on thick with these like eight like a- ars going like right at his chest and everything like come on i agree because but i i because this is this is much higher on my list so i'll say some words about it in a little bit but um i all of that is true like i was bothered by how a big plot point in three was he needed to like get out of the country and so he had to like burn a favor and he hopped country to country in this one and it was just that was the thing that kind of took me out of it and i was a little bit miffed that they introduced ninja stars and never used them that said i'm not really bothered because uh the best action i've ever seen in any yes. movie ever made ever 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 there was a point in the just midway through john wick 4 where i said to myself and i meant it this is the best action franchise of all time i think that's true 
And um, Mission Impossible makes a real strong case, and we'll see how it ends out. But like as it stands, John Wick, it's the best action franchise I've ever seen. I don't want to keep shitting on everything because I did enjoy John Wick to an extent. Those are my only two complaints. The world building is great. Like you said, the action is top tier. And I don't think we'll see, uh, like you said, Mission Impossible will be close, but we won't see another franchise with this this deep of root in the action world uh, for quite some time, I don't think. Yeah. I agree. So they make five, six, seven, and eight. Yeah. How I don't I don't think this would be funny, but I'm gonna say it like this because you'll get the spirit of it. How funny would it be if while filming Dead Reckoning Part Two, Tom Cruise really did just fucking die doing a crazy stunt? Can you imagine the state of the film industry, the state of social media, the state of just like the way everyone converses in pop culture and life? If everyone's like, huh, oh, they're never gonna make Dead Reckoning Part Two, they're like, why? It's like Tom Cruise blew up. He's, well, no, he didn't blow he up. Fucking, you know how he he blew up. He got sucked into a plane engine and spat him out into little pieces, and we don't have Dead Reckoning Part 2. So, uh, that's no, it. Actually, he, he died because um, Alec Baldwin shot him. Yeah. yeah. Can you imagine? <laughs> that, would, that would destroy the Earth. <laughs> it would be insane. And like, oh, but you know what, though? You know what would save the day? Tom Cruise probably already has it written into his contract that if he dies doing a stunt, you can spend every last dollar that he has ever made, earned, or whatever on creating the most lifelike C- CGI AI Tom Cruise yeah. to give out. And the CGI AI Tom Cruise will just be a home fucking run. It'll just nail it. And everyone's yeah. like, Tom Cruise, he did it. He wrote it into his contract for this to happen. Yeah. And digital Tom Cruise just wore a rocket pack and drove it through a line of exploding hot air balloons that were filled with sparkles. And it just, he did it. We'd love it. I would love that. We should take a break. Yeah, (laughs) take a break. Let's take a quick break. Hey everybody, it's me, Dan. I, uh, I'm i going to be honest with you. I don't know if the ads on the podcast are actually working because I don't think we have enough listeners to be able to activate ads. Now this is partially my fault because of the time that I took off from doing Movie Movie, but that doesn't mean I can't record an ad for the podcast itself, which is what you are listening to right now. So, Make sure you follow I Like to Movie Movie at Movie Movie Cast on all of the things. Please subscribe. Please tell your friends. It would be very helpful if you could subscribe specifically on Spotify. That really beefs up the numbers. If you heard a little bell jingling, that's my cat's collar because she came running over because she can't let me record a fucking commercial in peace. Hi, Doris. Hi, Stinky. But uh, please do all of that and check out our other show, Hot Property, at Hot Property Pod on all of the things. So uh, thank you so much for listening, and we'll get you back to the show. We are part of the Hot Property Podcast Network. Peace. All right, so we are up to number six. Yes. 
Number six is a movie. I don't know if you watched it yet, but um, Air. I loved Air. Dead Air. Dead Air. No, this is Air, baby. Air, air Jordan. Good did you watch? Air. Did you end up watching Air? I did. Okay, I um, I really enjoyed this. I love a good people at work movie. Um, I don't care that it's like a commercial for Nike. It's uh, I think it's really well done. I think the script is very quippy and fun. It's a tight script that allows for great performances from a roster of some of the best really out there doing it. And I think it's a showcase for uh, Ben Affleck's range as a director. Uh, it's pretty meat and potatoes. I think that they make a bizarre and almost distracting choice that ends up becoming the right choice in the way that they never yeah. show the face of young Michael Jordan. Um, it's I just think it's like a really good, clean piece of craft. It's an enjoyable movie for grownups. And uh, it inspired me to watch The Last Dance, which I'm almost done with. And I think is just one of the most phenomenal documentaries I've ever seen. Dude, The so, Last Dance is so, so, so fucking good. And I don't because it's one of those about things, most sports and it just moves me. It's so good. It's one of those stories that you really, you cannot write, you know? Yeah. And that's why The Last Dance is so fucking good. And that's why Michael Jordan is one of the best athletes of all time. Um, Air is my number two. Oh, right on. Um, so yeah, loved it. I loved how it was like it had the vibe of an Ocean's Eleven, but with like more grounded stakes, obviously, and like mm. working marketing adjacent, like that obviously was a get for me as well. Um, and just watching how you know they're they're coming up with ideas to sell the personality and not the sneaker kind of thing. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a nice insight into where we are now, as far as, you know, when you, when you think about athletic endorsements and things like that, like he, this is the first one that yeah. like really that, not the first one, but like the first one that were like the product became the person. Cause like well, they like, even go into the movie, like they had bird and they had uh magic for converse, but none of like, you weren't buying the converse magics. You weren't buying the converse birds you were buying the Nike Air Jordans. Yeah, you're just like, oh yeah, they wear those on the court. But this one was like, you are, you get to be like Mike. Yeah, it was, like, Mad, it was pretty much like Mad Men meets Ocean's Eleven and I loved it. Yeah, I think yeah. it's very low-key. And like, I, and I think it being low-key is showing how like, this is a truly like monumental history-shaking thing. But like, we didn't build something or or move something giant. It was just people having conversations until the deal got done. And an image was created through the wizardry of manufacture as well as the wizardry of being who could arguably be deemed the greatest athlete who ever lived you know like it's it's one of those just like fate mixed with talent that just all happened and we're still everybody loves michael jordan i don't give a shit about basketball and i think space jam sucks but i love it and i love michael jordan and uh yeah it, it really captured and also Ben Affleck is having so much fun making this movie. Yeah. And when Ben Affleck is having fun, we're having fun. And when I, Ben yeah, Affleck's not having fun, we're having too much fun. Did he so direct this? He directed this. Yeah. And so him and, you know, him and Damon getting to play off each other, you know, it's just the whole thing just felt great. It was like a labor of love. And I don't know, it just, it was a, it was a mixture of real life talents as well as, you know, the the people who create this fictionalized account talents. Like, yeah. a lot of really great pieces are involved, and they just make a solid line drive movie. Fucking respect. Respect. And as always, Voila Davis shows up and steals the show for the total of eight minutes, and that's all we need, because she's, she's a master so at her craft. Yeah. She is 
legit one of the best to ever do it yeah incredible can do it that's why whenever she shows up i'm like voila 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 I, see whenever she pops up i'm like davis davis but all right that's just because the other day i had a stroke <laughs> my number five is renfield really <laughs> i liked it i didn't dislike it i just think that it should have been so much more i liked how uh restrained it was i think it was it told a very small story in a very uh you know in a very short amount of time and i thought all the acting was really good i thought nick cage was i love not, seeing nick cage he wasn't as cagiest and i kind of liked that a little bit yeah. but in a lot of ways he was his cagiest and that's the magic of nick cage i also i like that they posit it as a direct sequel to the 1930s dracula because that opening scene where they just put they recreated scenes from that movie in black yeah. and white but with nick cage and nicholas holt that was great i thought that was like phenomenal i just and it's so weird because like i know you have to make it into a movie but that whole movie should have just been about Dracula and Renfield. I have never seen a more excisable plot than Aquafina and her brother avenging their father cop's death with the mob and the like every ounce of that could go. The this story should have was... been about Renfield and Dracula were background characters to Aquafina and no love lost to Aquafina, but like the movie's called fucking Renfield. Oh, I, I was so upset by how much they didn't focus I guess, yeah, on Renfield. I didn't think then. about that. But I I didn't I did see I did feel that was a little shoehorned in. But the reason but it I guess points the, movie. the reason it gets points for me is because I'll, more often than not, and I know this is her brand of humor, but more often than not, Aquafina is like a little too much for me. Yeah. And I think that this kind of showed like there might there's probably a good actor under there. You know. Uh, did you see um uh the farewell? No, I want to though. Moving stuff, but really good. And Aquafina yeah. is fantastic. In it. Like, she seems like she really has the potential to be really, really great. Yeah, agreed. You know, like almost like Jack Black. Like his humor is like crazy and out there. But then, you know, you see movies like Nacho Libre or even The Holiday. You're like, yeah, he's a good actor. He can act. He's good. Yeah. He's really good. I mean, fucking King Kong, even. That's wild. A King Kong. Forgot about that yet. But, uh, yeah, dude. Yeah, and the thing is, though, I saw Renfield at Overlook as well, and it was with a really game crowd, and so it was it was so much fun. I saw it was fun, yeah. It was so much fun, and all the fight scenes with the blood and gore, that was all great. The the design of the way people got fucked up in that movie. Yeah. Like, all the effects there were great. I, I just I thought it was a good time. I could have used so much more Renfield and, and uh, Dracula, but I'm also not about to throw in the trash the time that Nick Cage played Dracula for us. Yeah, that's a gift. I'm actually I'm very glad that made your list though because like the, I like that a movie like that gets people excited to go see a movie like that because like yeah even though like Cocaine Bear wasn't very good I hope that that means they're gonna throw money at more shit like Cocaine Bear and uh, I think Elizabeth Banks said she wants to make Cocaine Shark next. Cocaine Shark exists. I got a press email for it the other day. Like I think uh, what's really. it called a. Uh, uh, asylum films like is already oh, on it there's great. also a uh, crack our friends at asylum films thank you for making the movies that we can i don't know <laughs> if it's asylum but so far cocaine shark and crack coon uh exist no way yeah. there's a movie called crack coon yeah it i i could email you the poster um all right Please so what do. are we up to number five 
Uh, no, that would be number. Yeah, number. Five. I I did six, five. which was Air. Yeah, five and then you did that. so five was a movie I saw at, at Springfest called Kokomo City. Kokomo City is a documentary film that just points a camera at four different black trans sex workers. And it's made by a director who is also a black trans, I believe, former sex worker. Um, I'm going to get her name here. And uh, uh, D. Smith. And it's a short little movie. It's just people talking about their experiences. And it sort of involves like the different neighborhoods in which the women work and the different Johns and friends that they interact with. And everybody is just very honest and talking to the camera. Yet it is not the horrifying portrait of down and out life that you might expect from a project like this. It's very joyous. It's very funny. It's very affirming, but it doesn't pull any punches about, you know, the, the sometimes depraved world that these poor women have to exist in just to figure out who they are and what's going on, you know, like just to exist, they have to work this world. And they're all, all four of them have a completely different outlook on everything. Like they probably wouldn't agree on everything. So it shows that like, this is a population that you think is small, but it's not a monolith. There's different perspectives throughout and it covers all of that. And it's just like, it's, it's just really enjoyable. And I think it's the type of movie that can change people's minds in a good way because it's so enjoyable. Um, But it doesn't, you know, again, it doesn't water down the true darkness that lies in a a world that's forced to be repressed for no reason. And um, yeah, it's just good. Kokomo City, I highly recommend it. Um, And unfortunately, too, one of the one of the stars of it uh, was killed shortly after I saw it. Jesus Christ. And uh, yeah, Coco Dadal was her name. And uh, it's really horrifying with that in context, because it's like, this is the type of movie that would change minds to prevent sort of things like that. And it still was not, it it didn't come out soon enough. It's just, it's wild, but it's a great movie, like truly great. I'll check it out. Kokomo City. It's really good. That's my Um, number five. My number four is Tetris. Right on. I like Tetris a lot, and we tell we have a whole episode devoted to this. But it was it was a really great espionage movie about everyone's favorite block building video game. And Taron Egerton is just one of my favorite actors. He's the right best. Now. He's so good. Like someone could say that Tetris is the Michael Jordan of video games. I would say that. That's I, ultimately why how, I didn't make how, my list was because Air took the slot. Here's how good Taron Egerton is. I almost watched that Robin Hood movie. <laughs> I think I've seen it. I don't remember it though. Well, the one when Jamie Foxx plays Morgan Freeman. <laughs> Wait, no, I haven't seen. It. I'm thinking of King Arthur. No, um, fucking yeah. He, I almost watched that Robin Hood movie starring Jamie, uh, the Steve Jamie Foxx, Darren Edgerton, but I didn't. He's not that great, but he's fucking amazing. You saw Rocket Man, right? Rocket Man is solidified him in my Hall of Fame. He's in the canon. It's the best biopic, yeah. music biopic ever. And the made. Kingsman didn't hurt either. Let me tell you, I love those movies. Those movies Even though good. the second one wasn't really that great, it was still a lot of fun. The second one is what I think got him in the door for Rocket Man. So we just got to take yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I um I liked that movie so much, but I just figured I'd leave it off because of uh, air, and I also kind of figured just due to the numbers, it would be on your list. Yeah. <laughs> Half of your list is just our episodes. Having Tetris on my list is like getting a long block when you can clear four. 
it just worked out really well <laughs> it just yeah you nailed it you timed it all right my uh number four yeah dungeons and dragons honor among thieves really that high on the list eh? i loved this movie really? it's I gotta so watch it, funny man. well you know what it is it's a lot of mythology that they don't blah 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 at you it just happens and it works that's the um, kind of world building that i love yeah it's yeah it's perfect the design is so cool the effects mostly look fantastic the action is great michelle uh michelle rodriguez is in a couple fight scenes with her axe and they're yeah. like next level shit and you never would expect it but chris pine kind of plays like a modern guy chris pine in this world even though he's not he exists in this world so just imagine chris pine existing in a world of endless imagination and magic and just reacting to it and being a cocky guy it's awesome and it has a heart it's it's so good i loved it you know i have an aversion to michelle rodriguez um but i will say that this movie from just the trailers looks like something i would enjoy her in so i'm excited to watch it even if you don't like her you're gonna enjoy it it's a lot of movie yeah. but it's just Justin so Smith much fun too. he's great yeah and he's great in it I think, really, I mean, they're really great fun. they're great sorry oh i'm sorry yeah and um so um the directors jonathan goldstein and john francis daly they did stuff like um like they wrote a couple of the new spider-man movies but they did game spider-man. night spider-man spider-man do you remember did you see game night no every time that's on does the dog survive that movie yeah, yeah i think so okay because every time it's on it's that poster with jason yeah, Bateman, rachel mcadams and the white fluffy dog and I'm like, I want to watch this movie, but I know shit gets weird and raunchy, so I don't know if the dog survives. I'm pretty sure the dog survives because it's a very light movie. But it, that movie, like, one of the things that everyone seems to take away from it is like, oh, that's a that's like a broad comedy, but it's really funny because it's directed so well. And I think that that carries over into something like Dungeons and Dragons. But it's just funny, and it, it looks great. The creatures are fun, and I don't really have a connection to Dungeons and Dragons, but even saying that i watched that i was like i bet this is what dungeons and dragons fans wanted this to be i i've I, so i've been playing D on monday every other monday night mm -hmm. so i've cultivated a, a kind of a, a venn diagram friend group in the D, D community and that's exactly what they've all said right on well i'm glad i'm glad they're served by it because i'm a non-dnd player and i loved it i'm um, basically still am too this is my first foray into it but you know everyone's everyone loves stranger things and i wanted to hop on the bandwagon i I want you to watch Dungeons and yeah, Stranger Things is good. I want you to watch uh, Dungeons and Dragons, and I want you to come back and tell me if Chris Pine is the character you've always imagined your D and D character to be. Because watching that movie, I was like, well, yeah, he's the guy I'd want to be in, in well, Dungeons was, and Dragons. When I was looking up the list of movies that came out this year to to to, to you know collect the scraps uh, of what I've seen. I saw that on the list. I was like, I really should have fucking, I wish I could put this on the list. Cause I probably would like that movie. That's why we do the lists though. So that yeah. people know what to watch and we can learn from one another. Uh, what is your three? My three is a three gardens of the galaxy three. Oh, right on. Right I on. really, really like this movie. I think it was a, like full 180 from me. Shit talking Ant-Man earlier. I think this is what Marvel like so so sorry to see james gunn go because yeah. he he writes with such like the perfect amount of comedy and heart and action and uh he makes the action like the guardians have a very specific style of action it's controlled chaos barely controlled at times and uh you know it's a lot of 
it was a great goodbye. And I was really nervous going into this. I was like, because I saw the trailers and I was like, I'm not good with animal shit going yeah. down in a movie. I'm, and I texted you. I was like, what happens? <laughs> and you're like, it's good. You're like, it. And I did. I loved it. I loved every moment of it. Um, there was a point where I went with a couple of people. And when Rocket first just says the word pain, which I'm going to try not to tear up right now thinking about, yeah. um, I heard my two friends down the aisle just be like, I don't know if I can do this. Like they said that out loud. Like, I don't know if I can do this. See, I didn't watch the trailers. So when they started invoking that stuff, I was just like, oh, it's one of those movies. Yeah. But then it's not one of those movies. It uses those things. And I think, uh, yeah, I, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is what every Marvel movie should aspire to be. And what Disney has every resource in the world to make. But instead, they're going for more instead of higher quality. And it's a shame. Quick trivia question, and my friend Megan pointed this out. Shout out, Megan. Um, there is an, an actor introduced in this movie that has now joined the Double Marvel Club, who has played two characters in the MCU. Played two characters in the MCU? Yeah, two different uh, characters. Um, and wildly different characters, too. In the MCU or just in Marvel in, in general? In the MCU. Okay. Yeah. Because I know Chris Evans did it across Marvel, but not in the MCU. I don't even know who the other one is. So who are we talking about? And uh, we said there's two. Name them both, because I have no clue. Well, no, it's I, I guess it would be all across Marvel, yeah. But for this one, it's the MCU. But yeah, Chris Evans is is one of them, and I believe I forget who the other one is, but it's somebody of note. It's a, there's a couple people that have played. Um, I don't know who the other one is, but anyway, it's Linda Cardellini. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's but fun. She played Hawkeye's wife. Yeah, and now she's the space which I lady. forgot about until that was. Oh no, she's the otter. Yeah, friend. What? She's the otter, right? Yeah, and the otter. Yeah, yeah. that's incredible. Which, by yeah. the way, perfect casting. Linda Carlini has such a, a comforting voice. I love her. She's an otter. I want to yeah. just snuggle her. Yeah, if this uh, this was definitely a better Marvel. I just typically don't make space for the superhero films on on my list. Sometimes I do if one breaks through, and this one probably should have broken through. But I would have put on either way because it's what I've been waiting for. It's like been the homing beacon of can we still make good Marvel content? Yeah, and the answer is no because James Gunn is moving to the DC. He'll be back. They always come. This back. just solidifies my stance that the MCU is dead and over, and we can all go home. Hey, I thought of this earlier. I feel like the uh, when we were getting to the uh, uh, end game, huh? It actually felt like everything was leading towards the end game. Even now, knowing that Kang is where it goes, it just doesn't feel like there's an end point except expansion. Yeah, and so it's just like there's less urgency. But yeah, I I did love this. I thought it was so sweet. And that hallway sequence where everybody gets a big moment and they're fighting oh, everybody. Yes. Oh Mwah. my god, dude! Chef's it was like kiss. It was like reverse Avengers 2012 because that like Avengers 2012. I was like, all my pe- all my friends are coming together. This is great. And like this hallway scene with the Guardians was like, this is a really good last ride. Yeah, one last party. Yeah, you think I'd miss this party? Um. We can skip right through my three because my three is John Wick four, which we've already talked about yeah. and devoted an episode to. So I'll just reiterate one more time. Uh, I think it's the best action franchise ever. And it was this movie in which I decided that. What's your number two? My number two is air. So oh, right skip. on. Yeah. All right. So we can actually put some time into our last, our yeah. last. 
my number two was at number one and uh, got docked by a movie that I just, I don't even know if it was better, but I just had more fun with. But my number two is The Outwaters, which is one of the most horrifying found footage films I've ever seen in my whole goddamn life. Um, it is undescribable, but it's the first found footage movie Describe since, it. since, well, since the, uh, the Blair Witch Project that actually felt like it was advancing the form of found footage. Because what about um that movie with Michael B? Oh, um Chronicle? That was a good found footage. That was a good found footage. Now I'm a sucker for found footage, but like when there Blair Witch wasn't even the first. You know, you have your cannibal holocausts yeah. and things like that. But like this Blair Witch, when that happened, like it it like awoke the genre in terms of like the modern interpretation of found footage and people some people thought it was real you know like that kind of thing what makes Blair Witch different from all other found footage is that nothing explicitly supernatural happens in the Blair Witch Project that video can be explained by a million different things up to and including a witch tortured them yeah and it's all about what we just about pretending that it's real and the outwaters does that too nothing explicitly supernatural happens in terms of like something explicitly supernatural happens but they found a way to integrate that supernatural element into the film in a way that still makes this feel like someone found a fucking tape like there's nothing in it that that when i watch it you go that couldn't happen but there's a lot of shit that's expressly supernatural but like if someone said i found this tape i can't explain it i go wow i can't explain that either but I know something wild happened and it's, it is horrifying. It's visceral. And a lot of people will see it and hate it because it's pretty avant-garde in the way that it expands found footage, but it still works. Like it's a tape someone found. I think they call it a hard drive, but it's terrifying. And I just, I just think it's such a great step forward in a much maligned subgenre that I happen to love and it's the kind of thing that reminds people that like like the Guardians of the Galaxy where you go like this is what the genre can do. Step up and do yeah. it. And like yeah. Outwaters like really does feel like, hey, this is what the genre can do. This is how it's done. Do it that way. And I'll I love even a bad found footage, but like this is one where I go, Oh, this is like a great movie. It's a great movie that just happens to be found footage. Outwaters blew my mind. You would hate it, I think. But I probably would hate it. It ended and I had the distinct thought that I was not okay. And it like made me feel fucked up for a couple hours after I watched it. And like, that's, that's the highest praise I can offer to a horror movie in which I can't really explain what happens. Good. Yeah. People go out to the desert to film a music video and then shit gets crazy. That's, that's as far as I can say. It's wild. Cosmic horror. I won't be, I won't be watching it. It's nuts, man. You'd have a panic attack. I almost encourage you listener to feed, to seek it out. Yeah, definitely seek it out. Spend money on that movie so that the director who I want to shout out um, uh, so he can get even more. Robbie Banfitch, writer, director, and star. And he does some some shit in there. To all the listeners, pay for the movie and pay a little extra for me too because I'm not watching it. Yeah, give a little for Steve. You know what though? I'm going to watch it again. And uh, when they release a physical version, I'm going to buy it. So yeah. I will I will spend some yeah. money for you. Don't worry about that. Don't you worry about that. I'm going um, all out for the Outwaters, baby. You ready? I'm ready. Are you ready is the for question. My number one, yes. My number one movie of the year. 
um, came out back in February, I believe, and it was uh, it's a short film, but I've I think I've watched it probably I want to say thirty or forty times. I love a short film being included. It's happened before. Um, I I probably more than that actually. Whenever I'm, you know, trying to get hype up, I'll watch this movie because it inspires me. It is the trailer for Mission Impossible: Dead <laughs> One. Dude, I get it. Because I, that's going to be the best movie of the year, easily. Yeah, it's going to be incredible. Um, no, but I'm dead serious. I have watched that trailer probably about thirty times. <laughs> it's so good. All your and favorites. I are can't back. wait. And I know I you know what's going to be great too is I know, and I hate when people do this. I know for a fact that they're going to leave me with a huge cliffhanger for two years. Yep. Right. And I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna feel so angry. But also so titillated walking out of that theater. Oh yeah, oh yeah, tantalized. I would say they're gonna leave us with a cliffhanger that very likely involves someone or something hanging off of a cliff. Literally. They're gonna leave us with a cliffhanger, and then Tom Cruise is going to jump off that cliffhanger. It. I want to know. I. I would. I tweeted this question at Christopher McQuarrie multiple times because he he answers questions on Twitter quite frequently. I want to know what comes first. Do they reach a plot point and then go, I think the only way they can resolve this is if Ethan Hunt rides a motorcycle off a cliff and pulls a parachute? Or do they come up with a stunt and go, you know, it would be fucking tits if Ethan Hunt rode a motorcycle off a cliff and then parachuted to the ground safely and then write a script that gets to that? Or the third option being Tom Cruise goes up to see McHugh and says, (laughs) you know, been thinking. I'd kind of like to hang off of a big airplane. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, let's do it. (laughs) Let's go. He's like, yeah, I can get you up there. There'll be like a bomb with the computer system that goes back to here. We'll bring back. uh, Yeah, we're good. We're good. We're good. Yeah, I can't wait for that shit. IMAX is what, 40 minutes of recording time? We could do IMAX. Yeah, we could do IMAX. (laughs) I feel like uh, that's the kind of movie that like. That, like, I love that that's the kind of movie that really brings people back to the theater. I like yeah. that it's big and fucking wild. And I like that it's evolved out of what was a pretty low-key original film. You know, in the original film, there's stunt sequences that are not based around Tom Cruise doing real stunts. You know, like that train sequence Emilio doesn't happen on a train. Credited. Yeah, he just gets squashed in an elevator. Yeah, It's a Brian De Palma movie, and it's very much a Brian De Palma movie. And now it has evolved, but like quite naturally and consistently, so that when I watch the first one, it doesn't feel not of a piece with Dead Reckoning. You know, and uh, but yeah. I think that uh, it's really remarkable what they've done with that franchise. It's so good that it doesn't matter that their star and biggest proponent is the demigod of a gigantic, powerful cult. It's it just... Matter at all doesn't matter at all because he's gonna fucking ride a motorcycle off a cliff and he's gonna be compelling when he does it who is granting him these powers if scientology isn't real that's my theory my theory is that it's not that scientology is real but it's that scientology in one case happened to come together really well just for tom cruise and it worked for him you know the same way that someone can smoke cigarettes their whole life and still live to be a hundred it's like you know what that guy just did worked for him it did it just happened and Tom Cruise is that guy. It just it works for him. It Scientology it. isn't real, but he made it real by believing so hard, and and then jumping off a cliff, and then tying his ass to a plane. I'm into it. All right, what's number one? 
All right, my number one, baby. Here we go. Late Night with the Devil, which I saw at the uh, Overlook Film Festival. It's another found footage movie. It's made by Cameron Cairns and his brother Colin Cairns. They did uh, 100 Bloody Acres, I believe, uh, which is a beloved Australian movie. This is an Aussie thriller. This is a found footage movie starring David Dastmalshan, or as I like to call him, David 101 Dalmatians, as a uh, late night talk show host named Jack Delroy. He's competing with, he wants to be the next Carson, and he's doing pretty good with his show Night Owls. It's the, you know, it's the Kimmel to to the Letterman or whatever, whoever's still doing it. And um, it's the master tape of the Halloween episode that they recorded. And this happens at a time when Jack Delroy's wife recently passed away, but they're bringing on like a, a seance on screen. They're bringing on like a psychic, but it all plays as very, very real. It feels like the real master tape of an actual 1970s talk show, but it's haunted and ghost things happen and shit goes down. And it's pretty scary. It's a really, really, really good use of the form. Uh, They come up with a lot of fun ways to hide frights in there. There's tons of hidden imagery. And the story itself is really compelling. But it's the commitment to the bit that I respect most. You forget that it's David Desmalsham because Jack Delroy feels like such a real person. The people that play the guests on the show feel like the real types of guests that they would get in this 70s the in the 70s the the production feels of a piece of that the audience feels like that even like the tone of the show they're presenting feels like that the backstage elements feel like that and it it's such a broad expanse of levels to the commitment that all nail it and then fucked up ghost shit happens and it's wild um it's one of the most innovative uh, uh found footagers that I've seen recently. I don't think it's like quite the game changer Outwaters was, but like in terms of creating a fun house of frights, it, it's like a perfectly oiled machine. And it's got uncommonly great performances for a uh, found footage movie. It's the movie that I wanted to see most when I was heading down to Overlook. And it's the movie that I saw first. And then it ended up being my favorite throughout the entire festival. It just held strong. Um, it's just such a great movie that I I want to call a gimmick or novelty movie because the gimmick of it is pulled off so well and the novelty of it is so engaging, but I think it's actually also a good movie with good characters and interesting things to say about desperation and, you know, what, what we're willing to engage with when we're feeling lost. And it's like kind of funny and Dalmatian's great. Fucking loved it. So late night with I might the be devil. In this one. I might check this one out. I think you would like it. It's yeah. much less a a scary movie than it is like it's like a Temple of Doom where it's like a fun house movie. Things happen, yeah. you know. Um, you know, it's like a paranormal activity, but I think it's being a little less trying to trick you into a scare and more trying to like build a scare with the filmmaking. Um, like there's I don't think there's any jump scares so much as there are like cool reveals and interesting things that they do with it so late night with the devil i can't uh it's right now it's my late favorite movie of the year i do that every time i say late night with the devil in my head i go late night with the devil yeah because that's the way it is so that's the best movie movies of 2023 thus far good work sir I don't. I wouldn't call it good work, but I thought it was you. good work. Well, we had yeah. some good conversations. Sometimes the bite-sized bits about the movies reveal more than a whole episode. Yeah. Um. So, uh, yeah. So follow the show. Uh, at Movie Movie Cast on all the things you can check out. 
my website, scullyvision.com, which will have everything about me on it, as well as for the Hot Property Podcast Network. You can check that out at Hot Property Pod on all of the things. Steven, you got anything for us? We also have merch at tinyurl.com slash hotpropshop. Right on. Um, so, yeah. So uh, next time when we see you, we will be battling uh, Han Solo versus Indiana Jones. So check and out the Movie Movie Cast Twitter for surveys. I'm going to throw it up on um, on Instagram as well. We'll, we'll tally the votes together. Um, I don't know who the people in the world will pick because they're both so beloved. And the real winner is Harrison Ford. But uh, I think it'll be fun to discuss their merits. Their marriage? Oh, their merits. Merits, merits. And oh, also what would happen if they were to get married? Who's the top? Who's the bottom? You know, does one stay clean shaven and the other one get fuzzy, or do they let their fuzzies crystal together when they they're just making walk around out? the house and ornerly grumble at each other? They just grumble at each other and yeah. say, "Get out of my living room!" And they keep pointing, but their fingertips touch, and then they giggle. It's yeah, <laughs> it's it's adorable. They love it. They have sleepovers. Um, you know, where they put a tent in the living room and pretend like they're camping, but uh, you know they do that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so tune in, guys. To, <laughs> I like to movie movie. Uh, anything else you got to say? No. All right. We'll see you guys soon. And that's been I Like to Movie Movie. Bye. Bye. Oh, thank you.